Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 64. And it is great to be with you once again. And um, got a great episode for you today. If, if you are a fan of musical theater, um, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. I'm going to tell you all about our guest in just a moment. But first of all, uh, let me just go ahead and tell you that today's episode is sponsored by Fonz, an online scheduling and billing assistant. It is something that can help you if you're a private music teacher, of course, but also if you're a yoga instructor, martial art instructor, academic tutor, fitness coach, and more. Basically, if you own your own studio space and you're charging clients on an individual or small group basis, um, either per visit or per month or per semester, Fonz will have you covered. This is um, just a small list of some of the things that Fonz is going to help you eliminate. Writing invoices, chasing payments, rescheduling uh, via countless emails, bookkeeping with spreadsheets, and juggling on mel- multiple fl- platforms. Um, that's just a few things. That, what they say is that they turn hours of admin work into just a few taps of the app. You can do payments and scheduling on autopilot. You can do easy client onboarding. There's three automated billing methods. Um, You have online scheduling and recurring appointments. And um, as Eric Branner, guest of episode 63 said, uh, they even have SEO uh, built in so that you can help get yourself some more clients. And if you're a pit musician, of course, um, there's a good chance that you are probably supplementing your income through private teaching and why not make it easier so you're not spending time putting into that business more than you have to then you can do some automation if you'd like to use the link that you can find at our website lifeinthepitpod.com or check the show notes for this episode you can uh, go visit the website to find out more and also uh, if you're interested go ahead and begin a 14-day free trial no credit card required For today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Jose Simbolan. Um, If you've ever been to the Southeastern Theater Conference, which we'll be talking about quite a bit, any time in the last 26, 27 years, you may just know him as Jose, the piano guy. He is the guy who has, for more than a quarter century, played... Uh, the professional-grade auditions at the Southeastern Theater Conference, and, and we'll talk about that. It's a huge event. He also has been a longtime accompanist at the United Professional Theater Auditions, the UPTA. And uh, so this is just actually a piece of the pie of all that he does. He's played on Broadway. Um, he has played for a variety of other theaters, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But what we're going to really get into today is our first deep dive on this podcast into the world of audition accompanying. If you play piano and you like to get involved in musical theater, uh, it's possible to make a pretty decent income not even playing for shows, if you so desire. I think that it probably helps the overall experience if you have, Um, but... Most professional companies 
uh, will want to get an audition accompanist. And it, sometimes just the accompanist for the show uh, or the music director, if he's serving double duty, might not be available for the auditions. Or the music director might want to uh, sit back and listen to those who are auditioning and not be distracted with having to play the accompaniment that fits what they are using at the auditions. And uh, Jose has done this many, many thousands of times and has a wealth of experience uh, on all kinds of levels, but including professional level auditions. And he's going to share, share with us his wealth of experience. So here's my very fun conversation with Jose Simbolan. So today I'm talking with Jose, and uh, Jose, it's great to have a chance to meet you and to talk to you. Uh, are, are you in New York? Is that where you're from? Um, I'm currently in New York. Uh, I spent the past, most of the past two years down in Richmond with my dad. Okay. Um, but uh, New York's home base, and uh, Richmond's my other kind of home base at this point. So it, it worked out. Everything worked out for the best. So Nice. It's all good. But back up here now and hopefully staying up here for a bit. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, before we get into our conversation, I just want to, uh, if I can boost your ego just a little bit, uh, your reputation okay. precedes you. <laughs> So two years ago, was it two years ago? Yeah, it was almost exactly two years ago. Um, I had decided to go to the SCTC, which is the South, Southeastern Theater Conference, for those who don't know. And uh, I was going to go check it out. I, I had a lot of theater friends that, um, you know, they, they, they raved about all the workshops. They said it's a good place to go kind of network and meet some people. And I, I was at a point in my life, I didn't know how much I wanted to do with theater, but I thought, you know, music directing for something like Summerstock or uh, other things might be on the horizon. So I thought I'd, I might want to go do that. And as, as soon as a couple of drama teachers found out I was doing that, they said, well, I need a pianist for my workshop. Can, can you play for me? And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> and then they got me in touch with somebody in the office who said, hey, we um, we need an accompanist for the tutorials for the auditions. And so long story short, <laughs> more than half my time was spent doing that rather than the workshops. But okay. I did get to do a few workshops. But here's where you come in. So almost, I would say it's not an exaggeration to say at least a dozen times while I'm playing and we're going over the audition. Uh, your name came up. It's like, well, Jose is wonderful. Jose will be able to, he'll know exactly what to do with this. And, uh, <laughs> and then there was one time in one of the workshops that I was, uh, that they said, are you playing for the auditions this year? And by this point I'd heard your name a few times and I just said, <laughs> no, um, somebody named Jose is doing it. And she gave me a look as if I just said Paul McCartney is in the building and said, oh, Jose, he's wonderful. <laughs> Everybody oh. knows you by first name at the SETC. So. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's, That's good. Um, maybe we could start there. So how, how did you get that job and how long have you been there? Um, this year will mark year 27. Wow. For me. And I actually, I should, I should back up. What is, them, what is so. it exactly you, you do there? You play for certain auditions, right? I play for the professional division auditions, which are the auditions for actors who are available for year round work. Right. So it's uh, usually graduating seniors, 
and then professionals, but actually even for summer stock. So some uh, students in college uh, generally pass their freshman year who are available for a f- full summer contract. Right. And it uh, just depends on what companies are in the room. Nice. Um, but the, uh, but it's, yeah, so that's where that, you know, started. And uh, I kind of got involved initially because I would try to play for the state ones down in Virginia when I was still at VCU. I would play for my classmates or uh, students I was working with in the theater department. And there was like even one year where 12 of my 12, we had like 12 people from my school made it to SATC and there was enough support where I ended up becoming a default accompanist for them to go with them to the convention. Right. <laughs> um, and so I like, you know, did the whole thing. Hi, you can step aside and which, which can happen and rarely does, but it was like, there was enough thing just to, Oh, you know, if we had them make, you know, people there, we might as well, you've been playing for them. Let's just go ahead and send you, send you guys as a unit. And, uh, right. Uh, and so that kind of got me in the door, but the, the big thing was it was 92 or 93. And, uh, I had asked if I could actually come down. I, th- and it was that year it was in Savannah to, to play for some more students who were going down. And if there was, if there was any opportunity for me to get other work while I was down there and they said, well, yeah, we, we don't know. We'll get back to you. And then about two weeks later, our theater office got a call saying, Hey, we need a pianist. Do you know anybody? And <laughs> phone call, phone call, phone call later. Like, Oh, you had, yeah, you had reached out. And, um, and I jumped in that March. Um, it was a very memorable thing because we had snow leaving DC. Right. And it was still cold. And we even, my plane even had the ice three times because it was that, and I was like, Oh, we're going to make it landed in savannah and it was 72 degrees oh yeah and i had packed for winter <laughs> i had you know that 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 time you know you didn't look right on the internet or anywhere else for like weather reports and right i i also have to remember to buy like t-shirts in the gift shop because i was sweating right um so but i i just jumped in and it worked out i mean i played auditions uh when i grew growing up in dc for community theater and for college stuff so kind of second nature uh, to me, yeah, sight reading and even working with singers. I was a voice minor. I like to sing. So I think there's a bit of connection and empathy and sympathy and total understanding. I think it's where a lot of my sixth sense comes from working with singers. And I did it that first year and then just kept coming back. So, uh, and then started doing the state more too. So there were a couple of years where I actually would do the state screenings and then see everybody again in the spring. So, Right. Um, and just to kind of backtrack, SCTC, so Southeastern Theater Conference, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that if I have any listeners who teach drama in a high school or a college anywhere in the Southeast that they don't know what we're talking about. It's like, because it just seems like every everybody is at least connected, whether they actively participate or they at least know about it. They get the emails, they get the advertisements mm-hmm. and so forth. But it's really a national event because um, a lot of the people that... Uh, so, again, what I did there was basically prep them for taking their music to you. Like, sometimes they, uh, you know, sometimes they were well-coached and they'd bring in really well-flowing audition materials. And then a couple of times people brought in something that's like, well, this is going to be hard to follow. So 
we actually spent their tutorial not really singing through it, but working on mm-hmm. what you need to do. You need to go recopy this. <laughs> you know, you need to uh, get this in the right spot. But they were, it was just basically mock auditions with us, you know, so that they could get used to that. Um, but there are so many workshops there. But uh, I guess what I was also saying is, the people would say where they were from, and they'd say Louisiana, North Carolina, Virginia, Florida. But then you hear Pennsylvania. I think one might have been from Rhode Island. It was, uh, it's, it really is a national event, even though it's centered in the southeast. Yeah, we we have the the, the member states in the southeast, and then there are, we have just agreements with, you know, uh, people from out of the region, as they call it, can audition in a particular state. And for college kids, they can actually register under the fact either if they're in school right. at one of the, you know, in-state, and but they, you know, but they're, you know, from Massachusetts or from Nebraska or something. So that's how they qualify. Or they, you know, they go to school outside a region and then decide to uh, come back home, which is where they're from. So they can, you know, they can work that angle, so to speak. So, right. Um, but yeah. And then, but even just company wise, I mean, we have companies in Alaska, we have companies in California, we have... Um, in the the span of the companies who audition for actors is very much a national thing. So, right. and SETC is one of the oldest uh, combined auditions in the United States. So it's kind of, there's a you know definitely a bit of a legacy to it. And right. uh, there's and the fact that even the that the, the time that I've been there, I mean, there are companies that have been there since my first SETC. Right. And knowing that that's always kind of a, a cool thing to think about. I'm like, whoa, I think, you know, I think I've been there a long time, but some of these companies were there years before even I started. So Right. Uh, I failed to write this down before we uh, got started, but uh, this year's SETC, uh, SETC is coming out um, in March. I know it's in Memphis and it's, uh, I yes. know it's something, something teen, like 14, 15, somewhere around there. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, the tenth through the tenth, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, I believe. Right. So, so um, I, I assume, I assume if you're listening to this, you can still register. Uh, you won't have an early bird <laughs> special anymore, but I, I think you can probably still try to register to at least go attend the event, the workshops, and so forth. So, probably, I don't know what the, if if you were going to audition, I think you probably should have signed up by now. But <laughs> yeah, I think the cutoff is actually was yesterday, so yeah. for final. Okay. Yeah. In, in, anyways, I, I was there in Louisville. And, uh, and I seem to remember it was in Mobile one year, which is kind of near where I grew up. So it was kind of, mm-hmm. a, and that was when I first heard about it, when, uh, people were posting about it all over Instagram. And I was like, well, I got to try to get there sometime. So it, it is a, it is, it is a fun event. It's actually significant because it was the last major event with thousands of people that I did before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. That for, for a lot of us, I mean, and that was, I will say that was one big part of my, Heartbreak with that because I actually ended up going to a job right at Actors Through Little Louisville. Literally the day after SETC closed, I you know literally rolled my bags from from my hotel to my housing, you know, right. two blocks away. Um, and then we shut, you know, and then we shut down. But um, because I also play for Updos Unified uh, Professional Theater Auditions uh, each year, and so I'd done that at the beginning of February and then we had SETC in March. But also knowing, you know, that. For many people, it was their first. It was going to be their first professional contract. I right. mean, I know you know actors who had gotten offered, you know, actors, you know, first gig out of school, and then knowing that that was all 
taken away, you know, yeah. two weeks later was like, you know, Ooh, that when, when I finally kind of realized that, that just kind of, ooh, that sat very difficult with me, but it was, you know, I mean, luckily I think with, uh, people did learn to pivot, you know, we, we did right. adapt to the virtual stuff and zoom for all its craziness and time lag and everything else. Uh, yeah. You know, you, people did what they needed to do and, uh, you do feel, kept their skills up. You do yeah. feel sorry for other people, uh, as, you know, besides, <laughs> besides what we went through, uh, I keep thinking about like, I, I, uh, I'm a composer and an arranger and, uh, I was commissioned by a school in another state, um, who was doing Little Shop of Horrors that had some really talented string players and they wanted a mm-hmm. string section added to the instrumentation. So they gave, they went, they got all the books in advance so that I could kind of, you know, peruse the orchestration uh, that existed and then add, yeah. um, you know, the, you know, enough for two violins, viola, cello, basically string quartet worth. And um, <laughs> then that was supposed to happen in the last week of March, 2020. So they're like two weeks from opening when they have to shut down and they're like, okay, well, we're going to try it in September. Well, that didn't, no, you know, <laughs> nothing got rescheduled in September. So they eventually lost the rights to it, I think, or something. And they had to turn it in. Yeah. And I just, I felt so sad because I, they, I, I did, I did some pretty good work. I thought it would have been a, a special, unique production and, uh, and they paid me for it, but then they didn't get to use it. And it's, yeah. <laughs> It's one of those makes you feel a little guilty, uh, you know, but it's no one yeah. could have saw that coming. Yeah. Well, even Actress Theater, we were, I was on the last show of the Humana Festival and it was a musical premiere. And when things started to get a little dicey, you know, they were one of the first companies who got permission to do tapings of their productions. So I think the first two in the series got permission and we got permission to tape. And like we ended rehearsal that Sunday night. I see you. See you Tuesday. Right. And then 1030 Sunday night. Oh, the governor, the governor just shut us down. Right. And we had like, you know, we had sped up the whole production calendar. We weren't going to do public performances. We just could come in and do the video archive and like, uh, okay, no. Uh, and um, yeah, just craziness. So, and luckily that show is actually having another life this spring uh, regionally. So it's, that's, that's good to hear that it, somebody kept it in the air. So, right. Um, I know you have a prodigious body of work as a musician and especially as a theater musician, and there's so many places that we could go to, to chat, but, um, I've talked with a, a great number of keyboardists and music directors on this podcast, but I don't think we have talked about specifically being an audition accompanist. And that is a, you know, you, you, not every gig in theater is for a show. Sometimes it is just for the auditions themselves. And there are skills required there that you don't necessarily have to have if you're playing a show, namely sight reading with a lot of pressure. So the, the thing that stood out to me, well, it always stands out to me when I'm sight reading for theater auditions is like, please don't let me be the reason that they don't get their role. <laughs> you know, I want I want it to solely be their credit or their blame <laughs> if they yeah. you know, for how they do. I don't want it to be, well, I did a great job, but the accompanist couldn't play the couldn't play the book or didn't play the right tempo or kept missing key signatures or chords and all that. Um, so I could I say personally, I've I've ne- I never feel pressure anywhere quite like I do in an audition performance. Now you might f- 
you might feel differently because I think I, I, I read in an article that was in an SCTC magazine at the time, you'd done 35,000 <laughs> auditions or something like that. So uh-huh. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you actually know how many you're up to now? I don't know, but, you know, but between with, you know, with UPTA and SCTC back to back for, you know, the 20 years, that's the minimum of, you know, 1500 people each there just in that month. Yeah. Um, with February and March. And then the regional stuff I play, the open calls here in New York, um, everything else. So it's just kind of, right. you know, and I do do shows. I you know I do MD, but yeah. uh, actually I like auditions. I like sight reading. And I, I like, I like singers. I always say I'm a strange bird right. that way. And, and again, I think it's just, uh, and I know even for here, I mean, it's been amazing now that I've been up here a bit of time, but Knowing that, I mean, there are truly actors who I, I remember playing their SCTC audition. Mm-hmm. I remember playing their first New York audition. I remember playing the first show that they finally booked the Broadway debut. Nice. And just, I, you know, I, I have a s- slightly, you know, uh, photographic memory. So I will remember names um, and faces at least. And that's always just such a co- kind of cool thing to realize. It's okay. You know, they stuck with it. And, you know, and I, and I, you know, even when I work, with uh, some students, you know, some people have whatever they need at whatever time they get it there. And some people do need a couple of years before the industry catches up to them or they catch up to the industry. And then all of a sudden they're booked like crazy, right. you know, so they're, um, and, uh, but it's, that's always kind of the cool thing to me. And, you know, what you mentioned as far as being responsible, I mean, there's definitely a, a bit of that. I mean, I do get nervous, but I think, you know, I do treat, ultimately my role at the, as an audition pianist, as a responsibility. Right. Um, I, you know, uh, I'm there to help as much as I possibly can, the actor and also the, you know, the company I'm playing for. And, you know, and I will say sometimes I actually get accused, so to speak of, um, making a singer, um, sound better than they actually per se are (laughs) the base level, you know, because I, I, I will help, I will nudge, you know, and, um, I, you know, I, I do want them to present themselves as best as they possibly can. Right. And, what, uh, what I, yeah, what I was saying is like, if, you know, if you're truly at 35,000 plus auditions, there's probably isn't a whole lot you haven't seen yet. And you have that knowledge of just, well, that experience. I, I mean, there probably aren't too many shows published that you haven't played an excerpt from. And, and so I, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of surprises now with auditions and that probably helps the confidence, you know, and you, you Oh both- yeah. And I mean, luckily, and you know, I've, and one thing I, I, I kind of realized a couple years ago is, you know, as much as I buy cast albums and listen to show music, mm-hmm. I don't listen to it all the time. I mean, right. literally I don't have like a regular place. And I think part of that is just self-preservation because I don't want to deal with earworms. And, oh, yeah. but also there is just so, there is just so much music out there right now. Oh, yeah. um, but you know, if, if luckily with streaming services and YouTube, when a new show comes out and I don't feel like I need to invest in the cast album to have a hard copy and I still do prefer CDs. Right. Um, the, at least we'll give them a listen just so I get the sound in my ear. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that helps like, you know, and my visual aspect of being able to see patterns on the page and I can, you know, I can even recognize composers by, music layout at this point sometimes. And, right. and there is that, you know, the, the one thing, you know, I love about auditions where somebody will look at me while I'm, you know, getting playing for one person and about to prepare the next person is like, 
because I have seen so much, I can just look over it. Even if it's not the title page, I know what the song is because I re- I truly actually recognize the visual page. Right. I'm like, okay, this is it. And then I will ask, well, are you doing it like this? Are you doing it like this? And, uh, but yeah, you know, so even when I don't know stuff, um, this, this is actually where my classical background comes in. Um, yeah. Uh, because classical, I do have to, it's a different thing. I do have to read the notes. I do have to play the ink. Right. For the most part. So, uh, you know, Schubert songs, 20th century songs, just like, that helps me a lot. And that's part of, I think my sight reading arsenal for theater work is where that really truly comes in handy because different styles, especially for an open call for a full season where there's different styles, it's like, it's pretty easy for me to adapt to that. So, right. Uh, well, you hit on the key word right there, sight reading, which is a paramount skill for a lot of musicians. In fact, if I was to just kind of, cut and paste from previous episodes where I've asked, you know, if you have any advice for upcoming musicians, what's something you can work on. The number of times they say sight reading is, you know, it's just reinforces that this might be the top skill that most musicians need to develop. But in a, especially when you've got the added pressure of the responsibility of making sure that you do your part for an audition to go well, your sight reading has to be really top form. So what are some things that you do now or that you've done over the years when you're not in a professional situation to improve your sight reading? I, I suspect that if I ever truly sat back and analyzed or had somebody analyze exactly what I do and how I do it, right. I would somehow lose the ability. I would lose no. the ability. <laughs> it's because, you know, like I would, you know, you find out the, how the sausage is made. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and there, I mean, I, I know for myself, there's definitely something innate. I've always been a good reader, even taking lessons. I think, you know, I, I spent through my first four lesson books right. when I was nine years old because I was just reading it. I wasn't necessarily learning right. and playing, but I read all the materials like, Oh, good. You can move on to book two, book three, you know, but, uh, so the, but as I mean, but I will say I spent the past two years playing for myself again. Right. I mean, I bought a keyboard when I was back home and realized there was no way I'm getting back to New York anytime soon. Right. But I, I relearned my senior recital from college. Um, I started relearning some other repertoire that I've always had a per se kind of practice book, both uh, music theater and classical, just to kind of play. And uh, the big discovery for me was also getting some of the analytical skills back that I haven't had to use on a regular basis. Right. Uh, and even memorizing, I've memorized stuff which I haven't met, had to do in thirty years. Right, and that's how come it's taking me eight months to memorize two pages of music. This should not be right. What's going on? I play better than this, and uh, but it's you know the, you know for developing it. I mean, I, it's, it kind of depends on how you whether you're a visual person or truly by ear. I'm not a great told by ear player i can usually mm-hmm. hack something out first two or three bars but after that i start getting a little too in my head yeah with trying to do chord analysis and like rope numerals and everything else and uh i i i truly admire the people who can just kind of sit down and you name the song and they're they'll roll with it um well you've t- like, again, you you've, put- t- you've touched on something that i've t- i've told my students before that uh, everybody who studies music is on a natural spectrum some some are maybe toward the middle, but some gravitate to one mm-hmm. side. So I was that student in college 
who could play basically anything by ear within my playing ability. And I memorize things almost instantly. It's like, you know, as mm-hmm. I'm as I'm working on a piece, I stop looking at the music and I've already got it memorized. But I could not sight read, you know, anywhere <laughs> near as well as most people in my college. But I was a scholarship uh, student. And the, part of that requirement was like three or four accompaniment hours per semester. And so they're asking me to come in on week four, you know, when they've already mm-hmm. been working on this music, it's up to tempo. And I, and I still remember the very first piece that, that was ever thrown at me in that situation was uh, I could have danced all night for my yeah. fair lady up to tempo. And, and I, and I, I had heard the musical and I was trying to play it by ear because I couldn't read what was in front of oh. me, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, and, and I was simplifying all the chords and so forth. So, one of the things that, that I had to do was take a special workshop, you know, on just like how I'm looking at the music. So, so I've thought a lot about like how to do it so that I can become not not an elite sight reader, but a good sight reader and one who mm-hmm. can, you know, do some gig work. But uh, there was another student. She was an older, uh, like she, she had gotten a scholarship, but then she also w- was getting married and she had a she had a child and waited till the child went to college before she came back to pursue her own education. Well, she was totally opposite. She was sounds kind of like you. She, she, her sight reading ability was almost at her playing ability. It's like you put something in front of her and she just played it. But the idea of memorizing something was terrifying. <laughs> so I, we used to say, I'll, tu- I'll, tu- I'll tutor you how to hear and memorize. You tutor me how to sight read. And <laughs> um, it's extreme perspective. So yeah. so that's why, yeah, like I can't tell you how I, I hear things or memorize. And it's very hard for me to teach that to someone who struggles. And sounds like that would be the case of you with sight reading. But I think the one thing that I have noticed, just to go back to the strength, if I don't regularly memorize music, then I don't do as well. You know, it's like... Uh, yeah, th- I mean, there essentially, are... I just hadn't worked that muscle literally in 30 years. Right. I no need, so just had to had to relearn how to memorize. So. But I think the same is with sight reading. So I think I think if you did, if you had taken this time off from gigs and not continued to play music and just mm-hmm. read it, that's something that gets rusty. So So it sounds to me... Like, you know, one of the biggest things that anybody can do to improve your sight reading is just sight read. Just take the music and, you know, if you feel like, well, the best you can do is primer level method book, start there and then go to level one, level two. And uh, you just, you know, increase the difficulties you go, but just kind of get used to just not thinking, see it, play it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think that's a hard part with us who play by ear and memorize is we think too hard about what we're playing. It's like we're... We're really trying to think of, okay, what does this feel like in my hands? Uh, what does it look like when I do this jump you know, <laughs> in the left hand? Uh, you don't have time for that in sight reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I know one thing, you know, I I loved playing through my, my parents had a, some of the readers that I just saw in books growing up. And, you know, it was all kind of old standards. And even I subscribed to Sheet Music Magazine. But I, I remember being early on looking at stuff like pop music charts where, you know, you'd see the chord boxes and they'd have the guitar. Like, and I kind of did that theory stuff on my own, like, okay, it's a C, but like, and I would see what the notes were underneath it on this piano staff. And so, uh, 
okay, that was kind of building theory. And, you know, and even when I sat read today, the whole thing, it's, um, and luckily with college, I, I actually loved doing harmonic analysis. So, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, but that is a big chunk of how I, I will sight read, especially when it comes to pop stuff, where it's like, I, if there's no chords on the page, or even if there are, I, if I see the chord, I know what pitches I need to hit, what pitches I should try to avoid. And uh, that also kind of speeds the process up when I know I can't play every little dot that's on the page or shouldn't play every little dot that's on the page. Right. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, I think for, at least for music theater stuff, just making sure you listen to other music other than theater music is actually oh, yeah. quite, quite a big thing. I mean, I know there's some pop stuff. I only listen to the pop stuff only because for those rare prop auditions where I get called in, like there's, again, there's so much music just like, this was number one, was it? I had like, <laughs> um, and, uh, but just getting sounds and patterns and grooves and feels um, in one's ear at least once, you know, and just, you, you may not actively study it, but if you're one of those, I know I'm, I just remember strangely a, a weird amount of stuff. And um, that all just kind of infuses when I go into the thing and like some, if something looks new to me or like, wait, and then, you know, then I talk to the singer and then, okay, well, this is what it is. And I, uh, there's just certain reference points, you know, they'll name an artist, a singer, and that'll just kind of help me if I'm ever in that position where mm -hmm. something truly does kind of seem unfamiliar to me. Right. So, I don't know if it exists already, but I think that, uh, whether it's YouTube or podcast, there needs to be something out there for people like me who haven't had cable for 20 years and mm -hmm. uh, who, you know, don't listen to radio as it is, but, you know, are hard to come across like pop music. But it's, yeah. it, it needs to be someone who says, all right, here's a summary of the TV show everyone's talking about. Here's a summary of... Uh, or here, here's like 30 seconds of this number one hit from January. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I mean, that's kind of what I use Twitter for. Yep. My Twitter feed is like all over the place. Yep. A lot of the, I mean, most of it's theater adjacent people, but they, the music they listen to, the movies oh, and yeah. the TV shows they watch. I, I had no idea there was that many streaming shows. Like, and I, of course oh, yeah. I sit there going, how much, how much time are you spending in front of your screen? I mean, yeah. it was like, like you watched how many, you binged four series this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I can't, I can't but, I mean, that's, but, I, <laughs> but that's how I actually, I realized I've been keeping track, you know, even with, I don't think I per se keep up on the news, but you know, I'm a diehard NPR listener. Mm -hmm. I check the times every day. I, I may not go in depth on a lot of issues, but Oh no, I, I do know what's going on in the world. And I think it's the same thing with um, music and theater stuff. Is there's just enough. Uh, I've had enough touch points and familiarity and read enough blurbs and seen enough clips. Um, and there are a couple of things that I will deep dive into. And I'm always in awe of the people who like first thing comes out, they will read everything, hear everything. And, um, and they, somehow memorize it like upon first hearing and that right. always amazes me you know they'll catch lyrics i'm like i didn't hear that um uh, and uh but again i think that's just it's a just it's a self-protection thing because i think if all the stuff really was in my head it oh would yeah just, it would be it would be so you know active and you know and with right. the auditions after a couple of years with SATC and you know, up does like 
I used to play callbacks all the time in the evenings. And that was a different thing when I, I was trying to work, work for myself. Right. So I play all day and then do three to four hours, five hours callbacks mm-hmm. for various companies. But well, luckily when I got to the point where I didn't per se need SETC for work, I realized it was, it was such a good mental health thing for me after playing 250, 300 people during the day, mm-hmm. I would literally, I leave the building literally yep. just to get away from that energy. Yep. I'd have a nice dinner, but just to just let all of everything, any, any songs, any kind of, you know, anxieties and nerves and whatever I may have, you know, absorbed from the actors and from the whole general room, just, I needed that time to get away. Um, right. And I'm so happy that I discovered that. And also just uh, getting older, I just needed the rest. I mean, I think back to some days where, I would literally be in that audition room from eight to six and then play callbacks till midnight or 1am and then have to repeat that three days in a row. I have no idea right. how I did that. Right. I have no idea. I know you like coffee, so that probably helps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but a little, I might, but I can't, you know, I will say caffeine doesn't give me, I, I, but it's just, it's just enough, but it's just like, I don't, yeah. how I had that capacity I mean, that's when I kind of realized, okay, I'm older and that's a good thing. So, um, well, let's mentally put you in that room just for a moment, because I want to give the listeners an idea who have not gone through this, um, what like an individual aspiring actor has to do. So they don't get much time. Is it like a minute 30? Do you remember the amount of time they get? Um, this year it's now down just to a minute for the total audition. It used to be a minute or a minute 30, depending if you're acting or acting and singing. Right. Um, if you were doing acting and singing, you got a minute 30 for all, only acting only or singing only, then it was a minute. But now it's just a minute for all the, right. For the, for everybody. So um, this is very the, educational yeah. for me. Uh, when I was doing the audition tutorials, we would have somebody say, hi, that, well, they would start off with, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm from so and I'm from this place and I'm going to be doing, and, and the, the, the tutor would just stop and say you you're wasting time go just say name number what you know whatever the minimum amount of information they need and then the accompanist it needs to be ready to go right away if they if, if you know if they have told you that they're going to do the music mm-hmm. first and then their monologue or whatever uh, and as soon as the button is hit you know at the end of the piece they have to be going right into their monologue, you know, if they have one. Yeah. But all that has to happen, and, and and I haven't been in your room, so you can tell me if it's true, mm-hmm. but I have I have been told that at a minute 31, they would stop you. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get the thank you. Yep. And then if it's not, it's like we'll get thank you a little louder. Yep. <laughs> I will stop playing. Um, there's a little bit of leeway if we know it's this is the final thing. We'll kind of hold for a second. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but in general... Um, I mean, the timing, at least for SCTC, does start with the first word out of your mouth. And that yeah. does include your name and your slate. Right. Um, for most auditions, we don't require you to slate your pieces just because that information doesn't necessarily help us. And also most of us in the room have heard it before. So, uh, but just, uh, I, I, and I think for the actor, just it's a better thing. Just, you know, you give your name number and you just go into it. Yeah. Uh, that's your prep. Yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, in a, under, in a typical situation, you know, we bring 40 people in at a time into the room, mm-hmm. sit in chairs, uh, 
And then the first person comes up to me at the piano. We talk briefly. Um, and again, this is where I know my own experience comes in handy because I can usually just look at something or they'll literally point to me and say, okay, we're fine. Yeah. Um, like at the cue line, if they're acting first, and then I, you know, we, we do the audition, but sometimes if somebody's acting second or acting first, I will then look at the person, the next person who's up and look at them and talk to them while the person is doing their monologue. Yeah. And just kind of, okay, just to help keep the day moving. Right. And, uh, we, we just kind of run it and, you know, and there are times where if I will say, hold on this person before you is doing a bit more, I will talk to you after they're done. Then I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, but this is, you know, this is a big thing as far as making with the actor prepared with, if their materials are truly prepared, technically you shouldn't have to talk to the pianist. Everything yeah. should be on the page. Yeah. And if the actor knows how they're doing it, then again, I'm very intuitive where you start, I'll find you, I'll find where you are. I'll know where your tempo, I can mm -hmm. pick it up from your breath. I will look at, you know, follow along with a lyric. I can tell where you're going to slow down. There's no need to like, I, I hear I got, Faster, slower, you know, I don't need that information. Um, just, you know, I always say, you know, you, if you're going to, if it's a ballad, you want me to follow you, tell me to follow you, I'll follow you. That's all, that's all the yeah. information I need. And, uh, and then we, we just, they just kind of do it. So, but yeah, it's just one after the other person goes up, they sit back in the chair and when the group of 40 is done, the whole group leaves and it's an audition and there's a, you know, it's, and, 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 you know, and just to bring it back as far as, you know, the whole responsibility thing, I will say there, there are times where I know where if I gave a wrong pitch or somehow misread a key or messed up a cut, I, there are, there have been instances where I will like pause or after the group is done, I will say, excuse me, but for this number, if, if the singing was off, it was my thing. Cause I, I looked ahead or I was thinking about the person after them. Mm -hmm. And I will ask if that person, you know, if any, if the, if any of the companies would love, would like to see that person go again, or I will send the monitor out, say, would the singer like to redo their singing portion again? Right. I mean, I, I have done that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cause if they're going to spend, you know, 300 to $400 to, to come down, to audition and spent you know 90 seconds to yeah. determine the next four months or a year of their life I, again i don't want to be the one responsible for them not being able to get anything from that uh you know and it, it works out and it's, it's also been amazing when people are like no no i felt fine you you felt i still felt good about it there's no need for me to do it again or the the companies will say if they really want to, but we could tell that they're still a good singer. And luckily they're, they're referring to the resume in front of them. So there's still enough information for them, for them to get a call back. And you know, yeah. that, that is the one thing I will stress for actors. And even, I think this is where it also helped me in it, at least for with up dozen uh, SETC and any kind of combined editions, the goal for right. Those auditions is to get a call back. It is not to get the gig. The immediate right. goal is to get a callback. Yeah. And then once you're with the company, then you can focus about getting the gig. But I think it's that just a little, little adjustment in the energy and the focus yeah. can actually make it much easier. The stakes yeah. are not lower, but they're just on a different level. And it just kind of helps you. Yeah. You know, if it, if it was, you know, one, you know, if all 90 companies were doing the same show or like co-producing one show, and there were only like, you know, 12 roles available, different story, but you know, there's 90 companies, there's 1500 positions available, possible, you know, 
roles available. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of that whole how, up to the actor. How do they want to focus their audition? Do they want to be in a thing where they will take anything, or if they have specific shows, specific roles they want to be in, then they focus that audition and they know that not per se limit, but you know, at least they, they, they know the companies that they want to work for. And so they focus that audition for them. So they're not worried about the numbers. Like they, and there should be a time where people, Hey, I got 60 callbacks. Hey, I got 40, you know, schools would like keep track of like, Oh, we set a record. One of our students got 78 callbacks. It's like, nice. not, but those students aren't going to go to all 78 companies because some of them don't pay some of them, are in, you know, uh, but uh, that's kind of, a, you know, just the whole thing, but the whole, but yeah, but otherwise, going back, just the audition is the audition and is that quick. So there's, you know, there's a bit of preparation on the singer's part just to make sure Yeah. Um, I can only provide the singer with what they're giving me. Yeah. Um, or And it just the whole, again, the whole sixth sense of like their preparation and how committed they are to what they're doing, uh, the acting, the singing, the technique. Um, right. Nothing should be left to chance. Exactly, and it, uh, you just kind of do it, and that, and just that confidence, that knowledge. If I that security truly helps me play better for them, right? Because I'm just riding that energy, and because it's those times where I'm trying, like, what are you doing? That's when it gets right strange, and sometimes I will second guess either way, too hard or too little, right? And then it's been like, then it gets a little wonky, so. Well, let's uh, let's branch this out a little bit. Uh, so I know we've been talking about professional uh, level auditions, uh-huh. uh, but I'm I'm sure that with all of your experience, you've also played for, you know, amateur like community theater yeah. and um, where the, there are things that actors can do that make your job easier. And there's things that they can fail to do or do that make it harder. And, and that's when, of course, they you know, they bother to bring in accompaniment. I, uh, the last show that I auditioned for an amateur group, I think one person brought in accompaniment and everyone else had a track, you know, and it just kind of depends on whether or not the company, what their policy is for that show. Yeah. I have done some shows recently where it's like, um, I don't bring any tracks. Uh, you need to bring in music. If you don't bring in music, we're going to sing happy birthday <laughs> or the star spangled banner or something like that. And, um, what are some things that you would advise for actors that would just, you know, regardless of the length of it, that would help you as an accompanist? Um, and make friends with the pianists. There are more pianists out there than you would know. Right. Could be neighbors, could be somebody at church, somebody at school. Right. Um, my, you know, two of my biggest things are, you know, the first words out of your mouth to me should not be, I'm sorry, dot, dot, dot. Right. You know, I don't have a better copy. And like, but, um, but the, you know, related to that is like, I'm so, I'm, I've never heard this before. Could you play something for me? I should never be the first person to play your, your music for yeah. you, the audition pianist. If this is truly the first time that you're rehearsing it, then it's the first time I'm playing it too. So I think if, as soon as you pull back and look at that objectively, just logically, that does not make sense. Right. But you know, the the number of times where I pe- you know people said, "Oh yeah, no, we we looked and we actually found a pianist because somebody at church or my friend's sister actually happened to play and they were able to read this." Um, or if you know, even if you're kind of pursuing something at the community level, amateur level, um, regularly, um, find a piano teacher in your area, yeah. pay them for an hour of time. And they can actually 
go through your book with you. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, and that's still, and that's kind of a cool thing because they're not part of the circuit. They will actually truly treat it as like not being creative or trying to add coaching, but just the whole, does the music stay up on the piano? Yeah. Is this reasonable? Is this a good copy? And a lot of, a lot of the, just the, that stuff is what yeah. can get in the way. But yeah, there, there are more people out there. I mean, every time people say like, well, I, I don't have, I don't know a pianist. Yeah. But if the company is providing pianists, then that's at least somebody in that area that there's there's one there. Um, it does take a little effort, and uh, but yeah, just you know, you, you just kind of got kind of got to make friends and just ask questions or look yeah. at places where, oh, that's right. You know, if if you are with a church and there's a pianist there, hey, yeah. do you happen to play theater music? Right. Or if I if you have you know 15 minutes, could I pay you for your time and could you just look at these you know songs? for me and just right. see if this, this is readable, playable, if this is in my key. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's that whole thing. And even and with companies, uh, some of them right. are getting a bit better about it now where um, as they build their own arsenal of musicians, right. they make those names available to anybody possibly coming in. Uh, some companies now do like little free coaching audition sessions like you did for SETC for community theater, like, hey, by the way, if you'd like to go over your stuff, we're hold, we're making this available the two days before or putting something on our website. If you'd like to reach out to the pianist in advance, here's information number. It's up to you to cover there, you know, if they do charge. Uh, and that's that's kind of a, a really great thing. And, you know, and that's been the nice thing with the... One nice thing with that over the past years and even the way equity has kind of... a adapted with making virtual auditions available and requiring tracks to be provided for initial calls if a person does not have access to ready access to a pianist one or two songs provided as part of the audition packet and they will they can use the track right. uh, for the audition so okay uh, i was just thinking of a, a list of some things for score prep Mm-hmm. That that I think that audition that actors need to consider, and you know, you can let me know if you uh, if you have anything to add or if you want to, yeah. you know, clarify this. So, one of the one of the things that that really helps is if we're not having to turn pages. So if if you've got a two page, if two pages is great, just lay it out left and right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and 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 if you do two pages, <laughs> don't double side it. I've had people yeah. give me two pages and I have to flip it over. And, and, uh, and also anything that you have to turn needs to be in a notebook because if you've got to flip the page, it's just probably going to end up on the floor, you know? So yeah. that's a, that's a, a thing that I'll say. I think generally speaking, it's a good idea to photocopy, but make sure it's a good copy because the more you can mark up your music, the better, like, where do you start? Where do you finish? I love it when people have like, taken uh you know a scrap piece of paper and completely covered up what i'm not playing Mm -hmm. it's like everything i see i play (laughs) so that's a kind of a good idea um if there's repeats you know um i guess there's two ways to do it is make sure that it's really clear circled repeating Mm -hmm. and uh otherwise maybe even just recopy the section and have it go linearly you know like you know it's the next thing you see oh yeah transpositions (laughs) so um i think uh, you know i think a lot of us have some experience that uh, if something's in key of g and they want it in the key of a or they want it the key of f 
uh, depending on the complexity, uh, it's probably not a big deal. But I don't think that's a good thing to anticipate that your companies will be able to do with any degree of proficiency. So I would say bring in the key that you are going to play and, and, and have tested it in advance so that, um, you know, it, uh, there's, what is it? Musicnotes.com. It's like you, you can find almost anything you want to want to get there and, yeah. and print it in the key you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the nice thing with the digital stuff, you know, and hopefully right. the transposition doesn't get wonked about by the computer yeah. stuff. Um, and I will say that's that's one nice thing with, uh, you know, music notes, but I, when Sheet Music Direct switched to uh, their new thing of delivering by PDF, mm-hmm. and now all transpositions and printouts are for the same price. There's no additional charges. So once you have the file, you can just kind of go back into your library and do it to your heart's delight. Uh, and... Uh, and on the iPad app, it actually comes in amazingly handy if I'm running through one song and I know I need to try it in different keys for all different singers. It's just like right. hit the gear button, different key, and I'm and I'm set rather than trying to do all the the math in my head at the time. Right. Um, but again, and that's one of the things you know. Hopefully, once you print it out, or even if you just people forget that you can actually play the audio online on those digital sites. So if you need to check the key, you can actually sing along yeah. <laughs> with the sample on the site. Um, uh, and that that's a tremendous help, even just that much. And I know with uh, some of the sites, actually, there's even options for more, per, per se, professionally styled uh, accompaniments of the sheet music rather than something just kind of playing it metronomically and according to notes on the page where it actually, it sounds musical and it's, right. uh, it's a kind of a good way to do it. And, you know, there's also lots of sites and YouTube and right. companies who set up websites for accompaniment tracks for lots of stuff successful right now. Right. Also for the accompanists who haven't seen this a whole lot, if you get, if people are going to music notes or if they're getting what I call the piano vocal guitar arrangements, you know, out of a pop book, um, then, then you probably want to be aware that almost everything they're singing is in the piano part. It's like, it's the, the melodies doubled down there mm-hmm. and that's not how it would be in the show most of the time, you know? So, I sometimes will just ask real quick, do, do they want me to play the melody or can I just play the, yeah. the chords and so forth? And, and, and again, yeah, hopefully and they've also, checked that out. <laughs> and then, and then there are the singers like, Hey, I get a little nervous. Can you help start me off? Oh yeah. Just to make sure I'm on pitch. And then I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. There's nothing wrong with asking that it's nerves. Right. Auditions are a weird beast. Um, right. And yeah, if you need the first pitch as well, just to make sure you're there, I'm more than happy to do it. I'm also more than happy to like, make sure you get back on track if you get it. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. and also one more thing for the actors talking about page. So pages, we want to avoid page turns. So, uh, if there's more than two pages, um, I think what a lot of actors do this really well is, uh, tape, uh, pages, you know, like, uh, in sometimes in an accordion fold where it mm-hmm. just kind of folds out as needed. But, you know, generally speaking, I think it's a good idea if, if your accompanist only has to put their hands on the keys once they start and doesn't have to touch the paper, that's always mm-hmm. best. You know, sometimes it may not be avoided, you know, especially if you've got a sheet music source. Um, oh, I do remember, I think you said this in this article, be careful that you actually bring in piano music and not the vocal score, <laughs> yeah. which is just the vocal line of music. And, uh, I, I, people brought that in with no chord symbols and I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, well, 
I'm going to make up something. It may not be what you're expecting, yeah. but <laughs> uh, well, this is great. This is we could we could keep on going on this because this is something <laughs> every. Uh, I I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of actors have to go through this before they get the show. There's there's maybe a select few that get asked on reputation to be, mm-hmm. you know, in a show without having to go through this process. So it doesn't matter if we were talking about community theater, uh, high school. Uh, college, you know, or Broadway and so forth now. Um, but so it's such an important topic. And, and like I said, we're, we're almost, uh, we're almost out of time and we haven't talked about any aspect of your career other than being an audition (laughs) pianist. Uh, but, uh, you, you have done a lot of shows. You've, you've played on Broadway, right? Yes. Yeah. So so what are some of the shows you've done? Uh, well, my debut was the ill-fated, um, Lestat, that, okay. uh, the Elton John, and Rice. But yeah. I got, we did the recording, got my things, recording somewhere still stuck in some vault. Um, but then I uh, I was uh, with the Revival of Chorus Line for a bit. Uh, I'd subbed in on two of the keyboard parts. Also did all the Cassie camps, so to speak. I worked with Bayorkley, the dark, uh, choreographer, and other projects, and so she brought me on board for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was with uh, Mary Poppins for a while, training James and Michaels, ah. which was an amazing process. Nice. Because those two actors are on stage the whole time. They actually get a full four-week rehearsal process, mm-hmm. a full cast put in with the set. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And they realize, no, they're on show 92% of that time. Wow. <laughs> um, so they actually have to be thinking of Bird and Pop and Lemary. It's like, no, the, the kids are there. Right. And because they're on, they're having to navigate set pieces and things going up in elevators is like it was safety concerns and then yeah and then just kind of uh, a bunch of regional stuff here and there and i was based in dc and still kind of go back every once in a while I was at arena stage for a while um i would do stuff uh, when the tours were coming to the kenny center national theater uh but yeah but I'm, I was, I'm, I'm a good check on my work right now it's just been kind of luckily it's coming back is audition work i actually i do like it and I, I like the day job aspect of it because I can actually see my friends in their shows. Right. Um, and uh, I've had a longstanding uh, relationship with uh, Disney Parks and Cruise Line. I actually just finished a couple of days with them hmm. here in New York. And 25 years, you know, uh, when they come to New York or if they're at SETC where I first met them, um, and they actually, I sometimes will play for them in Chicago or LA, they'll call and if I have to be there, I'll do their calls for their shows. And that's, but it's been good. And, you know, it's not that they don't turn down, you know, I, I, there's, I'm actually about to go down to Florida for a contract in a couple of weeks. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, but the, yeah, a lot of the Broadway stuff is, you know, a lot of New York stuff is, is mainly auditions and some, and regionals. And luckily there's a couple of casting offices that I have really great like relationships with mm. when that was my first New York call in 99 who still hires me regularly and it covers my rent. I mean, that's the whole, Yep. that's a luxury. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I do two or three days and the rest is kind of say gravy. And as I'm getting older and with family stuff, it's, it actually is nice to have the time checking on family, checking on friends to travel again, to see friends in their shows here in New York or elsewhere. I mean, I will fly to St. Louis to see a friend in a production. Just like if I have the opportunity and in Chicago a lot. Uh, nice. And that is all coming back again. And I just like being a musician. I mean, that's the whole regard. I don't look at my, I don't separate 
my music, my theater and my classical work, so to speak. I don't do much as classical, but I still, that's a big, I love art song accompaniment. I love chamber music and vocal recitals and go to a lot. Actually, I will see more classical concerts in New York than I do shows. Right. Um, And uh, it's nice to be reminded that I, that, that also keeps my fingers honest. I mean, that's going back and like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I can't fake this part. Um, I have to play this stuff. Uh, And yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, I, so, you know, for where I'm right now, it's, if, 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 as long as, you know, I'm making music and be able to collaborate with people, whether it's just one-on-one for 60 seconds to 90 seconds at a time, or whether they group, you know, with a full company of 20 to 30 people, that's, you know, I've, I've had the Broadway gig yep. and I come back and it's, that was kind of cool. And I learned a lot of stuff, even those, the, the, those very short eight weeks that we were open, yeah. um, the community up here and just, you know, you make friends very fast and you learn a lot of names and yeah. you do get to hang out. So, and the, the companies and, you know, this just actors are great. I mean, it's just, I mean, that's, been the really beautiful thing the past week was you know just it was our first time back in the room it was the actress first time back in the room in person for auditions yeah and just realizing how at this point it's it is truly new for everybody in the room on both sides of the table yeah and you know just when i try to write something later but like you know please extend yourself some grace and extend it to us and we're extending the same thing to you we know it's a new it seems like a new thing right now we're out of practice of interacting personally so a lot of people are complaining hey i just finally got in and i messed up like no you're fine you're fine you're fine they're the people behind the table are going through the same thing because we don't you know we have to keep our masks on up here right now and then singers can take them off if they're comfortable and so there's still that bit of we're navigating this whole thing and uh, uh again i i it does feel great you know it's that it is coming back and hopefully there's not another greek uh letter of the greek alphabet in our future oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah. uh well, yeah so if uh listeners if you're at sctc you know uh seek out where the auditions are hopefully you are auditioning yourself and uh, you know say hi to jose when you're there um the last thing i just wanted to point out is uh you know, I've gotten to know you a little bit through uh, one of the groups on facebook and um i'm connecting something you said earlier uh, with what I've noticed on Facebook, you said that, you know, you like to be, you like to stay informed, you know, you, you're you an NPR guy, and you also do the New York Times. Uh, I don't think anybody on this group is more informed in what's going, of what's going on in the world of musical theater than you. It's like, you <laughs> seem to have all the resources if, if they're rights being released, or any kind of news, you know, so. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, just enough me scanning enough playable headlines and stuff, or, okay, this happens, and yeah. I used to be a sheet music buyer, so that whole aspect of it. That was my day job for music store. So knowing publishers yeah. and, knowing, and I used to have friends who were used to, I still have friends who work for licensing company. So mm-hmm. I don't per se get inside information, but you know, I'm on the newsletters and it's that information is out there. It's not a secret. And that's one thing I, I do try to communicate. No, you, you know, people, regular people can go to MTI's website. You can go to Concord's website. It's yep. not behind a paywall. You can find out yep. who's licensing this. It's like, get you know that's that still amazes me like people no you have you have just as much right yeah. to go to the website than your producer does if you want to find out what the information you know orchestration is it's very it's not a secret any longer and it's so much more accessible now that it's on the inner inner 
on the internet rather than waiting for that catalog to come in, you know, every 18 months. Oh yeah. I do miss the catalogs though. So uh, little, oh. little Google search tip. If you're, if you're uh, a, you know, an amateur theater and you want to put on a show, type in the name of the show and rental materials. <laughs> you, yeah. It'll, it'll almost always bring you to one of the sites where you can go find other information. So, um, so last question, is there, is there a place where people can connect with you or f- find out more about you or follow you online? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, pres- I have a long dormant blog, uh, but which I actually may start getting up again, but otherwise, uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram are kind of my favorite things. It's all Jose S. Piano, one word, J. First name, last initial, piano. Not piano, as some of my students once thought, thought I was Italian. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, like, because I had a, I had Vanity Place that were J. Spiano, and they went, oh, oh, no, no, it's J. S. Piano. <laughs> right. uh, but it's Jose S. Piano, Twitter. And, you know, I will warn you, if you check out that, there'll be a lot of stuff about New York. There'll be a lot of stuff about food. Okay. Um, luckily, with uh, visiting cities, I always I joke. You know, after the first or second time there on tour visiting, it does become about the food. And um, I have lots of. There's a big crossover with uh, probably people in restaurant and food business, nice. and so uh, that I I put that to good use when I travel. And it's and and, and again, as I mentioned with SATC work. I finish the day. I will make sure I will have a wonderful meal after I'm done playing. So I, I do the, I do a little bit of leg work or if I know right. friends, I get recommendations. Uh, and, but yeah. Um, and yeah, you'll get bits of everything. And then uh, just depending on the day, right. sometimes you'll get theater stuff. Sometimes you'll get uh, other things, but yeah, feel free to there. And if, you know, you uh, DM me and etc. So, are, are you going to do the Memphis barbecue thing, or do you have something else in mind? Um, well, because up just in Memphis, I've you know I've, I've I've been in Memphis every year for the past year, you know for the past twenty years, mm-hmm. and I did a couple tour stops there. Um, I do the Memphis stuff. Um, my big thing with Memphis is Gus's fried chicken. Oh, okay. and the, the home their their home thing is there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and then it's a matter of, like, do you do rendezvous for ribs? Do you do the corkies for the pulled pork? Do you go central for the yeah? There's a whole thing. There's also an amazing small business, uh, Makeda's, uh Really wonderful butter cookies. Oh, and wow. that's that's and they finally opened one closer to downtown. There used to be one by the airport, and we would make special trips just to get boxes. But it's kind of walkable from the convention center, and there's lots. Luckily, that whole strip of uh, things along Main Street has kind of rejuvenated itself over the past two years, and uh, it was really nice. Uh, Dinstools is the local uh, candy maker chocolate shop, and they have a shop down there now. They do chocolate-covered grapes. Oh. Wow. They also do covered raspberries and strawberries, but fully in robes, so, like, it's real fruit inside, and it becomes its own gel as it sits there. But the grapes were discovered, like, my first trip back there 20 years ago. Wow. You don't think it's like, oh. It's like, you know, if you like chocolate-covered raisins or if you don't like chocolate, you will probably love chocolate-covered grapes, and they sell them refrigerated, so they're very... Um, but there's lots of stuff to do. Hot fudge pie. Yeah, there's a whole, I think I did a blog about the where to eat in Memphis, but if you need to know where to eat while you're in Memphis, feel free to contact me. I will have plenty. Right. Uh, <laughs> I even have chef friends down there because of, I've been down, down there so often. So nice. one of them just opened a new place, which is a bass cuisine. So I, that I need to try out. So Right. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I'm sorry. I will not be there myself this year. It didn't work out, but, uh, I hope you yeah. have a good time. And, uh, uh you know, I hope this, Post, well, not post. Uh, I yeah. hope this COVID era um, mm-hmm. 
audition format goes well and uh, that you're still able to have a good time and, and the actors are able to have great success. So, yeah. um, And one thing to pass, and if, just one thing for a pass on, if there are any college teachers listening to this and happen to be at SETC, um, you are allowed in the podium room mm-hmm. as an educator. If you just want to observe a couple groups, you know, we'll let you in between people auditioning. But if you want to look in that, just see what it is, you are welcome in both the pro div room and in the college audition rooms, you do have that thing as your thing. And I think that's a great thing for people to observe if they are able to. So, all right. All right. Well, this episode uh, should be coming out in two weeks. So uh, from the time we're recording, so that should be February 25th. So that puts you about two weeks out from SCTC. So uh, good luck to everybody involved. And Jose, thank you for taking time to chat with me today. Oh, thank you, David. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. And that wraps up episode 64. Um, Jose shared with me after we were done recording that he has a blog. It hasn't been updated in a while, but it is full of some stories of being uh, at the audition bench. He calls it a a view, the view from a piano bench. And his blog is josepiano.wordpress.com. And that will be included in the show notes, um, along with, once again, um, a link for a free trial at Fonz. We thank them for being our sponsors today. It's been a while since I've made this request, but if you haven't done so before and you listen to this uh, via Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. Um, it would it just helps us uh, to be seen, and um, any any contribution you could leave in that regards is very much very much appreciated. Okay, I am working on the next episode. I have an interview lined up and should have a new episode for you in exactly two weeks. I'm going to be on a subject that will apply to anybody in the pit and quite a few, well, quite a few of you not in the pit. Um, I think you'll be very interested. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, Check back in two weeks. Should be on March 11th that I'll bring you episode number 65. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or on Twitter or Facebook at David M. Lane Music. And as always, a special thank you to Mark Perolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about this podcast, leave feedback, or donation at lifeinthepitpod.com Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.